Welcome to the Underwater Technology Podcast from the SUT, the Society for Underwater Technology. I'm Emily Boddy, Communications and Publications Officer at the SUT. And I'm Andrew Connolly with the SUT Aberdeen Branch and SUT Council. Each week, we bring you interviews with our members, guests and colleagues from the global underwater technology community. Podcast 70, 25th of November 2021. In this episode, we are pleased to announce the winner of the inaugural SUT Gwen Griffiths Award for Underwater Robotics. Alex Tomasek, COO and co-founder of One CSI, speaks about the recognition of the Gwen Griffiths Award, how she arrived at a career in underwater robotics, and gives an insight into the work of One CSI. Alex also speaks about women in engineering and how we can all be inspired to work towards an all-inclusive industry. Welcome to the SUT Underwater Technology Podcast. My guest today is Alex Tomasek from One CSI in Aberdeen. Welcome, Alex. Hello, everyone. So Alex is the award winner of the recently promoted SUT Gwyn Griffiths Award, which is in the field of subsea robotics. The SUT's international panel on underwater robotics announced the creation of this award at the AGM in December last year. And the award recognises people in early to mid stages of their career who've made an outstanding contribution in the field of underwater robotics. The award may be for industry or commercial uh, or research or creative activity in, in the field of underwater robotics. So quite a quite a broad spectrum and very pleased to have uh, Alex, our award winner, with us today. So Alex, very much congratulations on the award. What does it mean to be recognised with a, an award from the SUT? Thank you very much, Andrew. Well, I can say, wow. I mean, to be recognised as someone who made an outstanding contribution in the field of subsea robotics I'm extremely honoured to be receiving this high-profile award. And I've always considered the SUT as being at the forefront of bringing innovative technologies to the attention of the subsea industry. So it's hugely flattering that the SUT feel that our technology is worthy of winning Gwyn Griffiths Award. And I'm sincerely grateful to the SUT for this recognition I have received for my work because I'm sure that every other nominee of the Gwyn Griffiths Award was as capable, if not more so, of winning than probably me. But I don't want to be sounding selfish. Let me tell you that it's probably not just my sole effort to be <laughs> that has brought me here. <laughs> winning this award would not have been possible without the inspiration I have received from my colleagues. And I would like to mention a few of them. Colin Millam, yep, yep. Richard Gibson, and Matthew Kennedy, for whom I have the deepest respect and from whom I have derived the strength and challenge that I could challenge myself to perform better. And I could not have better mentors. You know, it's, it's their passion and support and belief that helped me reach a stage where now I can proudly hold up this award as mark of my achievement. Thanks for that great message. Definitely very deserving of, of the award. So congratulations again. Thank you. You're speaking about your career. How has your career led to being the award winner in this field? I think the aim of setting and reaching specific goals was and still is one of my personal drives. So I graduated with a bachelor's degree in science and management and marketing 
followed by a Master of Science degree in uh, International Relations from the Krakow University of Economics, mm-hmm. which at the time really kind of helped me to focus on, on my future. With this confidence, I moved to Scotland in 2010. I enrolled in an MBA degree from the University of Aberdeen and graduated in 2011. So that point, it was really the start of an exciting journey. I still continue today. The subsea adventure in the oil and gas began for me in 2013 with Balmoral Offshore Engineering, where I was overseeing the design and manufacture of deep water products and where I was really becoming familiar with the challenges of subsea environment. Then I moved to Oceaneering for three years where I met my business partner. And Matthew has been massively instrumental in my career and personal development which really kind of helped me to learn all the time. So my role in Oceaneering involved the worldwide deployment of leading edge subsea inspection technology using remote vehicles. I must say, I found this surprisingly fascinating and exciting period, which really drew me in and made me wish to develop more methodical and effective approaches to the assessments of underwater assets. And people normally ask, you know, what really, you know, you really look for signs in the past that triggers your future. And, you know, there was one particular time in my career where we were just finishing the project and one of the operator approached us and said, you know, have you got a solution for this asset? And sadly, at the time, there was nothing we could do with the system that we had. However, it was at that point when I thought, you know, what if we had a clean sheet of paper, time and resources available? You know, how amazing and exciting would it be to create something new? So I think that was the kind of the start, the catalyst. And, you know, please don't get me wrong. I have faced several challenges on my way here, but I think each one of them, I believe, only strengthened me to, to be the person I am today, a professional who knows what she wants and somebody who sets their eyes on the goal and work methodically until it's, it's achieved. So that, that kind of led me to, to my career, my education, my experience to become who I am now and, and to win this award. Excellent. And so I'm glad it's been a successful journey through Isabel Morrow and Oceaneering. And then obviously that leading you now to the company that you're co-founding just now, which is One CSI. Correct. Subsea robotics, quite a broad term, uh, potentially. What what does that all involve, really, for, for those who might not know? So if you're looking for a subsea robotic in a nutshell, you know, it's, as you said, it's a, broad, it's a broad subject. But in a nutshell, you know, I mean, your primary ingredients will include, most importantly, that underwater tasks can be undertaken by machine robots rather than humans. Mm-hmm. This allows us to operate deeper for longer and, of course, much safer. So subsea robotics involves the configuration and interaction of a number of disciplines to arrive at something greater than just the sum of parts. In our example, you know, for us, subsea robotic initially involved the spark of creativity that was followed by a lot of engineering design time to develop a concept. You want to create a machine that will be able to perform a specific task. So you need to take into consideration the mechanic, electronic, and hydraulic aspect of it. Once you've got an idea, 
turning your concept into working prototype requires a lot of patience mm -hmm. and be prepared. There will be a lot of setbacks, <laughs> always yes. allowed for extra time and budget. And of course, let's not forget, you know, you'll need a software that will drive your robot underwater. So it's a combination of multiple disciplines, you know, that you put together to arrive one concrete idea. I see. Thanks very much for the explanation. And, and where does one CSI sit in the in the field of, of sub-sea robotics? I mean, without giving everything away at, at this stage, um, <laughs> I think at one CSI, we know that our energy transition technology will change the face of sub-sea inspection in the oil and gas, renewable and defense sector, but simply by making certain tasks much faster, more cost-effective, and delivering improved results. So we were fortunate enough to secure a grant funding to design and develop Tiamat to do precisely this. So we aim to improve the safety, efficiency, and effectiveness of performing inspection of subsea asset. But we also want to position ourselves as a market leader in providing innovative and step-changing subsea inspection products and services worldwide. So with Tiama, we've achieved a tool that offers multiple applications from one remote platform. And thanks to this, I believe we are now in a position to significantly reduce the cost of IRM operations. You told me earlier that you've got developments that are ongoing at the moment. So uh, how much can you tell us about that development at this stage? Or is it still sort of secret stuff pre-release? I don't think it's that secret. We're literally weeks away from the launch of our technology. Okay. So, you know, without saying everything right now, you know, just trying to keep the audience in some sort of excitement that something's coming. It's an ultrasonic tool, but, but much, much faster than anything that came before. And as I said, we're looking to cover multiple applications with one tool. So, you're never going to deliver something that is going to be a one-stop solution for all your applications. But having had the experience of deploying tools in the past, we wanted to create something that is going to change the inspections altogether. That's going to be much faster. It's going to cover multiple applications. And we did it with Tiamat. So, uh, yes, it's coming in the next few weeks. We'll certainly take a look out. Very excited to to see news coming of that. And one CSI, uh, I think it's quite a, a small organisation. Is that has that made it a challenging development, or or has it been very easy working with your colleagues on that? At this moment of time, as just two of us in the business, we are relying heavily on subcontractors. Mm -hmm. But I think since we founded the company, we've been really kind of lean and mean. And we're able to adapt to changing environments, which probably helped. Going forward, yes, we're looking to expand. You know, we're getting interest from the clients already, you know, about the product. So we're already looking at maybe moving facilities, getting people on board, building something new. So our main focus just now is on completing the FAT and mm -hmm. presenting the TML across oil and gas, renewables and defense sector. As I mentioned, a few companies are already interested, so we want to work on that, secure a few contracts, and then focus on short-term goals, which would be building the second generations of Tiama. We already got ideas, you know, how can we improve the already existing tool? That kind of builds up with increasing the team and, you know, exporting our products and services worldwide, maybe opening a 
offices in some geographically strategic locations. So that's the short term, you know, lift the business up. The long term, we're looking to expand our subsea portfolio products. We have got a few ideas waiting in the pipeline, something totally different than Tiama. So it's something that we're going to be looking long term in the next couple of years, I guess. Yeah, it certainly sounds like a very exciting time, especially as a relatively new company and bringing your first product to, to market. So that's that's going to be a really exciting time to, uh, to, to work through. And yeah, I absolutely wish you all the success for it. Thank you. We were speaking earlier about women in engineering, uh, which we all hear as a as a recurring topic in in industry. How do you find life yourself as a as a woman in engineering? I'm loving it, to be honest. Good. <laughs> to date in my career, I haven't come across many female engineers, you know, mm-hmm. and it's maybe I was just unlucky with my interaction with women in engineering. So I dealt mainly with with uh, men. But that doesn't mean I didn't come across females. I did. And it was always, you know, a pleasure working with women, mainly in Norway and Canada, but also South America. I think it would be nice to see more women in engineering field. From my experience where I was, working with much diversified teams was always, you know, more fun. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're coming to meetings, you know, they can be sometimes very mechanical, stick to the point, you know, you've got agenda. You never diversify, you never go anywhere further with that. But with diversified teams, there is always, or I found it to be a little bit more animated, a little bit more interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be a very inclusive industry. And and I do hope that anyone that's interested in engineering is given every opportunity to to progress into it. I've got family myself, uh, extended family who women involved in engineering. It should be very inclusive. And I, I, I don't understand why you know it is it is such a male dominated thing in a day and age as such as this and certainly glad to see someone like yourself enthusiastic about engineering in general you know i think that's really important why do you yourself think that there'd be less females in in engineering looking at the statistics the percentage of women in in engineering roles is slowly growing across uh, industries worldwide you know we, we can't deny that however i think that the glass ceiling and some sort of gender stereotypes still mm. creates a, a misconception that women don't simply have what it takes and consequently discourages them in selecting and pursuing the career in, in engineering. Personally, I think there are definitely challenges for a woman uh, pursuing a career in a male-dominated field. It can be for them intimidating, you know, to be in a minority which can lead to a lack of confidence due to almost feeling out of place or like you don't quite fit in. The truth is we always look for some role models, whether they are high profile people out there or somebody just so close as your manager or somebody else. Whether it's male or a female, finding a right mentor will help build your confidence and overcome stigmas about females in the engineering field. We're used to now seeing women as neurosurgeon, astronauts, even military. So I think in the coming years, I believe we'll see an increased number in of females in subsea engineering for sure. I think so too. And you know, you're absolutely right, hit the nail on the head. I come across plenty of women in, in subsea engineering roles, but 
still very much male-dominated world. So, you know, hopefully as time progresses, it's only going to become a more inclusive workplace, a more inclusive industry. And certainly in the audience, if you are a young woman looking at going into industry, please look up to Alex as a as an inspiration and a role model. In her time so far in, in industry, she's done a great job and, and progressed to this point where you're bringing a new product to market and winning awards. Would you have any advice yourself for for upcoming generations looking to come into the field of subsea engineering? I think most importantly, believe in your dream and never give up. I think there is still a lot of innovation, subsea innovation that awaits discovery. So why not you really? And don't be afraid to think outside the box, have courage to break the rules, you know, be different, be unusual, almost be unpredictable. Don't be scared to innovate because everything starts with an idea. And, you know, a long time ago, I found Winston Churchill's words very inspiring when he said, success is not final and failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. It applies really to my personal circumstances because I've learned from my own experience that the failure is only part of your journey. Accept it. It will happen at some point. But don't don't let it kind of get into you. Don't let it break you. There is so much you can do later. Just believe in your dream and never give up. If you'd like to learn more about our company, our technology, what we can offer, please do not hesitate to visit our website at www.1csi.uk. You can contact one of our team members. Our details are on the website and we're always happy to chat. And as we're looking to launch the Tiaman in the next coming weeks, please look out for further online LinkedIn and press announcements. I hope you're going to find our technology interesting and maybe applicable to your SAPSI applications. Thanks for those details. We'll include that in the description for the, the podcast. So audience, you do take a look out there and yeah do keep an eye out of the news for the product launch for one csi so we wish you all the success with it thank you very much andrew thanks very much and we'll finish up with our, our regular feature of subsea facts we were speaking about this earlier have you got something interesting or unusual to share with us as a subsea fact if you're working in the subsea area you will definitely learn some new facts and throughout my career i have deployed tools worldwide Uh, in many of the deep water locations like Gulf of Mexico or West Africa, but also in many shallow waters. There was one time where I was asked to perform a subsea inspection in the Mediterranean Sea. As we were doing some subsea questionnaire with my client, I asked, how deep are we going to go? What's going to be the operating depth? And he answered, oh, we're going to go to 1,700 meters. So at the time, I was quite surprised because I didn't know or realize that the Mediterranean Sea is as deep as that. I've done some research after that, you know, because it kind of interested me. You know, we're now going into Mediterranean Sea. I've done a little bit of research and I was shocked even more to learn that the maximum depth of Mediterranean Sea was actually 5,267 meters, which was actually making it the the second deepest after the Caribbean Sea and Mm -hmm. the largest enclosed sea on, on Earth. But, you know, there's more to the story, actually. The Mediterranean Sea used to be a dry basin until some 5 million years ago, when during the Zanclean flood, the Atlantic has poured through the Strait of Gibraltar and and filled the basin. So for me, it was an extraordinary fact to learn, because I always thought the Mediterranean Sea is rather shallow. But there you go, you learn something new. My second story is related to a personal interest of, of diving. Somebody once told me that there is a very fine line between the space and subsea. 
So there was one time at Oceaneering when we were presenting the technology during open days and the venue that was selected for it was the NBL, which is the Natural Buoyancy Lab in Houston. And some people may know that this is the, uh, it was the place where Armageddon movie shooting took place with Bruce Willis and Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck, <laughs> which was, you know, which was quite interesting when you're there. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was an unforgettable experience that, you know, on one side, here we are, you know, presenting our technology in the same pool where we've got some space station being submerged for their research, which was amazing. So, you know, one of the interesting facts is that more people have been actually to the moon than to the, for example, Mariana Trench, which is the deepest part of the world. And in human history, we've had a dozen people that have set foot on the, on the moon, but only three people has made it to the Mariana Trench because of extreme conditions there. For me, it was extraordinary to learn that we seem to be fascinated with the space exploration, and yet the deepest and the darkest nooks and crannies of the ocean remains unexplored for humans. So for me, it was two kind of facts that, you know, that I've learned. I find them really kind of interesting and part of my journey and learning and learning journey. So probably this two, I think, would deserve to be mentioned. Absolutely. Always good to get something that's been related to, you know, your backstory as well and your time at engineering and going to visit the underwater buoyancy lab. Sounds really cool. Pity that Ben and, and Bruce and Liv weren't there at the time. Unfortunately, but, um, not. If you ever have an opportunity to go there, you know, I'd recommend it because it's a fantastic place to visit and fantastic place to be. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. It's a really good point. We hear it often that you know there's been more exploration of of like the moon and Mars than than some of the the you know the underwater depths. Seen initiatives more recently about trying to map more of the the globe or trying to map you know the entire set of oceans. You know, a fairly ambitious undertaking considering, you know, how, how difficult it is. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses over over the coming years. Definitely. And hopefully there will be at some point that we can say we know nearly as much as we know about uh, the Moon or, or Mars. So hopefully. Certainly something think, to, to keep an eye on. Exactly. There's still a lot to explore, you know, I think in oceans and seas and uh, somebody has to do it at some point, I guess. Thank you very much for for those interesting stories and facts. Always great to learn new things. I, I, I do like this. I do like this feature of subsea facts, and I hope the audience do as well. I would like to once again say thank you to the SUT for the recognition I have received for my work, and I'm extremely honoured to be receiving this award. Also, like to thank you, Andrew, for uh, giving me the opportunity to share my story, and I really hope that it will inspire and encourage young generations. Not only to become a great subsea engineer, but, you know, become a generation that pursue their dreams. I'm a great believer that youth should be no barrier to success. So I hope all the young people will enjoy my podcast and it will inspire them to do great things. Thanks again, Alex. Really interesting conversation. Thank you. Thanks, of course, to the audience for tuning in. We hope to have you with us again on another podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To find out more about SUT, go to sut.org. If you'd like to get in touch with us about appearing on a future episode, or to find out how you can sponsor an upcoming episode, contact podcast at sut.org. You can also follow SUT on social media. We're on Twitter at sut underscore news, Instagram at Society for Underwater, Facebook at Society for Underwater Technology, and LinkedIn at sut-society for underwater technology. Please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe to the podcast and we'll be back with a new episode next week.